Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, only about 13 or 14 minutes, but it keeps us in God's word, and that's important for our faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God. Now, also, it keeps us growing in our knowledge of God's word, and his word guides us in his will. We encourage you to share these short studies with everybody you can every day. Help somebody in your life grow in their faith, come closer to God, and you may even help them get to heaven. What a great blessing for them and for you. So make that commitment. Start sharing today. We're going to continue our line of thought and study. We're talking about, and it's a rather intriguing thought, the day the atheist sat next to the preacher. Now, again, as this particular, uh, you know, this particular line of thought and study began, we were talking about a true-to-life preacher who was found himself on an airplane one time flying to Africa uh, by way of Nairobi, and next to him sat an atheist. And they began to strike up a conversation. And obviously, you know, what ultimately transpired was, well, who are you? What do you do? The man next to him let him know that he was a professor at the University of Kentucky and that he was repeatedly making trips to Africa because of his particular field of study. He, he was continually looking for missing links, so to speak, you know, evidences of man's early origin and existence. And so... Obviously, then the preacher let him know that he was a preacher and that he was on his way to Africa to teach people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, of course, the two positions, the two focuses of emphasis in the lives of those two men was exactly opposite. Now, searching for missing links, obviously, that University of Kentucky professor, being an anthropologist, he was... um, looking for evidences of the belief that man came about through a process of evolution. And when you think about that, and I've talked about this many, many times in decades of preaching and teaching, I've done studies about it, I've written about it, I've listened to others teach on it who have gone far deeper into the, the, uh, that, that particular study than I have, you're talking about a position, a belief in a supposed system of development that is absolutely unscientific. Now, people who really believe are dyed-in-the-wool evolutionists, they would really take me to task for that. In fact, they might just laugh their heads off for me saying that, but I'm saying it from a scientific perspective. I know something about science. Evolution makes absolutely no scientific sense. And so here was this evolutionist professor looking for missing links, going back to Africa on a repeated basis where he believed that mankind actually began, and looking for evidences that would prove or support the position that man simply developed by chance at random uh, you know, with no particular power behind that development from a, through a process of evolution. 
Well, the preacher, of course, believed in the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 1 when it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Well, as they continued their flight, they got caught up in their own thoughts, their own interests, and so somewhere along the line, that particular discussion came to a close. But later, sometime later, the preacher began thinking about the contrast between their two positions. And we've talked about some of the thoughts that he lined out. First, he said, he, that is that professor who believed in evolution, and I believe he said also that he was an atheist. In fact, that was the particular title of this particular study, the day the atheist sat next to the preacher. That atheist, he thought the world began with a big bang. And that is a position that many evolutionists believe, many atheists believe, though again, they can't really explain that. It makes no scientific sense. And the preacher said, I, I, I'm confident that the world will end with a big bang. And he talked about how the scriptures teach us that Christ is coming back one day, and when he comes back, it's going to be with a, with, with a great noise. He's going to come back. And let me go back there and read 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. The day of the Lord will come as a thief of the night, in the which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth and the works that are therein shall be burned up, 2 Peter 3 and verse 10. Well, he said also, by way of contrast and thinking, that the atheist was interested in the ages of rocks. And he said, I was interested in the rock of ages, obviously referring to Jesus Christ. And he also pointed out, again, from a scientific understanding, that evolution believes that basically everything in nature continues in a uniform, at a uniform pace, always. So layers of strata in the Earth's crust and rocks, when you date them, they have always grown older at a uniform pace. But the preacher said, you know, if there are cataclysmic events, that changes the dating process necessarily through nature because everything gets changed, or at least so much does. And then he went on and he said that the atheist professor from the University of Kentucky saw men as one step above apes. Well, you see, again, and we talked about how if you believe in evolution, then you believe that mankind, uh, we're just only further developed animals. We have no inherent worth or value. And so the preacher said, I saw man, I see man as one step beneath the angels because we are created in the image of God with a soul. Well, the next one... The atheist, the preacher said, saw God as the creation of man, and I saw man as the creation of God. Well, you see, atheists believe that man simply, along the way, somewhere, and it's been, you know, reinforced because of our beliefs and our emotions and so on, our psychology, that we believe that, he he believes that mankind created a God so that we could feel secure in our position as humans 
and we could have that God to worship, and we could look up to that God, whatever form he took, whatever kind of God it is, to kind of watch over us and guide us and give us values and so on. And the preacher said, well, I saw man as the creation of God. The evolutionist saw it, the atheist saw God as a creation of man. The preacher said, I saw man as the creation of God. According to humanistic theory, man invented God as a crutch to bolster his insecure presence in a frightening world. An enlightened man throws away the crutch and boldly proclaims his atheism, or at least smugly claims his agnosticism. Now, let me say again, agnosticism, atheism, skepticism, they're really all about the same. Christians, on the other hand, they believe God created man on the sixth day of the world's history from the dust of the earth. Some fail to find God because the one they look for is too small. Early in the 16th century, Martin Luther debated Desiderius Erasmus and told him, your thoughts of God are too human. The God that atheists deny is far too small and distorted. God is too big to be put in a test tube for examination. And this error is not new. Man made it centuries ago. You thought that I was altogether such a one as you are. Psalm 50 and verse 21. God cannot be understood by judging him by human standards and limitations. Man's thoughts of God are at best restricted by his finite faculties and limited experiences. Finite minds cannot fully comprehend the infinite, and God is infinite. When we talk about God and his nature, we speak in terms of omnipotence, which means he is almighty, all-powerful. Jesus said that nothing is impossible for God, Luke 1 and verse 37. We, th- talk, we speak of God as being omnipresent, that is, always, everywhere, all the time, at the same time, because he is God. We talk about him as being omniscient, and that is, all-seeing, all-knowing, all the time. The scriptures talk about how God already had plans for particular human beings while they were still in their mother's womb. Now, that did not mean that he made them do what he wanted them to do and follow his plans for their lives, but he already had looked upon them and already had plans for them after they would be born and grow up and move forward in their their physical lives. Now, but how do we, because we are finite, and that means we have a beginning and an end We know that unless the Lord comes again first, we're all going to die. The Hebrews writer made that absolutely clear in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. But God is spirit, and the spirit does not have flesh and bones, we read in Luke 24 and verse 39. Because he is a spirit, there is nothing unreasonable about God's being omniscient. Psalm 139, 1 through 6. Omnipresent. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. And verse 18. Omnivisual. Psalm 139, verses 11 through 16. Omnificate. 
are omnific and and omnipotent, Psalm 139 and verse 14. To know God, we must consult the revelation of God's mind. And where do we go to find the revelation of God's mind? The scriptures, the Bible, his book, so that we can understand what we can know about him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. In our finite human form, we're never going to know everything about God. That'll have to wait until we get to heaven and see him from our perspective face to face. But we understand because atheism makes no sense. Evolution makes no sense scientifically. We understand that there has to have been a power behind all of creation because it is set in such order. And it works so in in an interdependent way. Different facets of it need each other to continue to function in the ways, the synchronous ways that it does. Only God could have been the designer the creator, the force, the power that set all of it in place and in motion. God is the first great cause, or we could say the great first cause. The Bible introduces itself with a scientific preface. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that makes sense to somehow the heavens and the earth, the universe, the stars, the moons, the planets just have come into existence accidentally some way that we can't explain. Where's the beginning? But God is the great first cause. And to understand Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 is to understand creation from a true scientific perspective. We'll look a little bit further next time. Let's pray. Father, praise, glory, honor to you. You are the creator. You are all-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing, and ever-present. Thank you for being God. Thank you for creating us in your image with a soul. Again, praise and glory be to you, Father. Help people see the truth of your existence. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.